Aren't you thankful for the love of God? I am too. I'm thankful that God's love is unconditional, unlike mine. Mine is conditional. Yours probably is too. But God's is unconditional, which means it never fails, never gives up, always loves us, even to the end. God's always there loving us, and that is so good to know. And uh, a great reminder on uh, Valentine's Day as well that God is love. Thank you, Elsa. Well, we've been in a series of messages about anxiety, and we're, we've entitled this series, Stuck, Mastering the Control of Anxiety by Living in God's Peace. We're using a verse in Philippians chapter 4, so if you have your Bible and you want to turn there with me, you can. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to begin this morning, and it is a great verse that we've been launching off of to talk about uh, anxiety, because I don't know if you've noticed, this COVID season has caused anxiety for all of us, hasn't it? I think in a general way, all of our, our anxiety has gone up, and in a specific way, some of us are having even more anxiety. And one of the things that's been interesting that I've noticed throughout this time, that as life has gotten more challenging, we've noticed professional counselors and mental health people trying to help us get more healthy because they're noticing anxiety rising in our culture. And so they've been trying to give us skills to help us with that. And one of the skills and the interesting solutions that I've noticed throughout this time is they've been encouraging us to talk to our friends. Maybe you've seen an ad about that. If you're feeling anxious, talk to someone, talk to a friend, talk to a family member, talk to a professional counselor about how you feel. Well, this morning, we want to look at the divine solutions that God gives us for this human condition. Because what we know is that talking to people is a great strategy for excellent mental health. But that's not a new strategy. It's actually ancient. It's super old. But we think we're cool because we make it look new. And so this morning we're going to talk about this ancient strategy because God wants us to be people that know how to live healthy lives. That we are not people that are stuck in our hurts, our deep anxious thoughts, our anxieties. And when all of that gets locked inside of us, it's very important that you and I have a healthy part of our life that God desires for us. And that is to live in God's peace, not stuck in anxiety. So let's pray and we'll get started. Jesus, we give you thanks for this morning. Thank you for your word that is going to give us some great wisdom this morning about how to live in your peace. I pray that you would help us to understand it, to believe it, and to begin to put it into practice. And Holy Spirit, as we move towards a time this morning at the end of our service to get an opportunity to pray, I pray that each of us in this room and each of us watching live would be asking the Holy Spirit what we can pray about and what we can talk to you about. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, you may be thinking, Pastor Mark, how do, how do I do that? How do I stop being stuck? How do I live in God's peace, not stuck in anxiety? Well, the verse that we're studying helps us with that. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. 
Let me read it for us. And then what I'd like us to do this morning is to break down a section of this verse. And then I want us to look at a great biblical example of someone's life that knew how to live this really well. So first of all, Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, today I want us to look at the second half of verse 6. We looked at the first half of verse 6 last week, do not be anxious about anything. I'd like us to look at the second half of verse 6, which is this, but in every situation with prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God. Now I want to share something with you this morning as we begin that I believe is life-changing. It's something that could radically change your life and it can radically also change the way that you deal with anxiety, with worry, with depression, with all of these things that come against us. And so I want to share that with you this morning, but I'm wondering if you're ready for that. Are you ready? Tell somebody next to you, I'm ready. If you're watching live, just yell at the TV right now. Pastor Mark, I'm ready. Here it is. Here's this revolutionary thing that you need to know. It's this. You can talk to God. Did you know that? You can talk to God. And here's what our verse says, right? If you and I will talk to God, instead of having anxiety, we will have peace. That's pretty radical. That's revolutionary. In fact, this is a super cool anxiety reliever that you and I can talk to God because that's all prayer is. That's all prayer is, is talking to God and listening to God. But I'd like us to look at that a little bit more closely. So look at the little phrases that are in this section of verses. The first one is this, in every situation. You can talk to God about anything and everything. You can talk to him about every situation. Nothing is too big or too small for God. Now, you might think, my problem really isn't that big of a deal. So why do I need to talk to God about something so small? Do you know why we need to talk to God about things that are really small? Because he cares. He even cares about the smallest things in your life. But you also might be saying, I don't want to talk to God about my situation because I got myself in this situation. And I got myself in this situation and I need to get myself out of this situation. Can I remind you of something? God's been getting us out of our situations for millenniums. That's what he does. He's really good at it. In fact, the cross is what? Jesus getting us out of our mess. This is what he does, and he loves to do it because his love is unconditional for you and me. So he says in every situation, whether you got yourself into it, whether it's big or small, come and talk to me about that situation. I want to help you. The second phrase is this, by prayer and petition. 
The way that we talk to God is by prayer and petition. There's two things here. The first is prayer and the second is petition. Now, prayer is, is simple. It's talking to God. It's listening to God. It's asking God for the things in your life. It's just simply corresponding with God and communicating with God and opening your heart and your mind and your life and everything in it to God. You say, okay, I get what prayer is. What's petition? Petition's easy. It's prayer on steroids. Petition is passionately asking God for something. It's crying out to God. It's yelling at God. It's weeping before God. It's on your face before God. It's getting in your prayer circle. I'm not coming out till I get an answer talking to God. That's petition. Now here's what we're told. We're told that peace, the opposite of anxiety, is connected to talking to God. That if we want our anxiety gone or helped or worked through, you and I are going to have to start a habit of talking to God because peace is the byproduct of talking to God. Now, what's interesting, right? The mental health counselors are all telling us right now, talk to someone. And in Philippians chapter 4, the writer is saying, talk to God about your anxiousness. By the way, when Jesus died on the cross, the Gospel of Luke tells us that the barrier between the presence of God in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom and opened up. It was a great reminder to you and I that God's presence is now really accessible and is super easy for us to get to. And that when you and I want to talk to God, we can be right in his presence because Jesus died on the cross for us. And it made God's presence available for us any moment of the day, all the time. So by prayer and petition, we can talk to God. The next little phrase is with thanksgiving. Now this one's a little bit more challenging because now the writer is talking about the attitude that we should have when we come to God. And the attitude that we should have is a thankful heart, a thankful mind. Now, how can you, you talk to God and always be thankful? That might kind of seem sadistic in a way, isn't it? Like, how could I be happy about all of the awful things that are happening in the world and the awful thing that's happening in my life that I have a lot of anxiety about and worry about, how could I possibly be thankful for that? Well, let me remind you of something. You're not thankful about the situation. You're thankful that God is with you in the situation. You're thankful that the miracle-working God is on your side. You're thankful that His presence will give you peace no matter what's going on in your life. You're thankful that in your darkest moment of anxiety and worry and depression, Jesus is right there with you because he knows exactly what you're going through because he's been through really dark moments too. See, a thankful heart leads to a peaceful heart. So our attitude needs to be one of thanks. The last part of the phrase is this. Present your requests to God. 
Now, this one's simple. It just means to give your heart to the Lord. Present yourself to him. Just come into his presence and say, God, here I am. Now, here's what's great about God, right? He knows everything about you. He knows everything you're going through. He knows your deepest hurts, your greatest pain, your most awesome joy. He knows everything about you. And he just says, come on over. Come present yourself to me. I just want to be with you. I just want to take care of you. And so what this is saying is give your anxiety to God. Give him everything. Don't hold on to those things inside where they fester and tear you up. Present them to God. Give them to him. Now what God says is he'll work out this like amazing exchange. If we will exchange and give him our anxiety, he will give us peace. And the way we do that is through prayer. Now, I want to talk about something that I think is important because you may be asking, Pastor Mark, does, does this mean all I have to do is say one little prayer with thanksgiving and all my anxiety is gone every time? Well, not really. And sometimes as Christians, we're not very helpful to one another because we'll say things to one another like, you know, just go home and pray about it. Like, I've been praying about it, you know? So I want you to know this isn't a silver bullet. This isn't some sort of pill you take and your headache's gone, right? But there is power in continual prayer. There's power in the Holy Spirit's presence, and that's why we need to get ourselves there. Because when we get in God's presence, we come out changed. Have you ever come to church before and been mad? Anyone else besides me? Okay, good. I'm glad to know there's a couple other people. At least you don't have to get up here and preach when you're mad, right? But here's what I've noticed. Have you noticed this? That lots of times when I come in the room and I'm mad, or I'm anxious, or I'm worried, and I just say, you know what? I'm just going to worship. Chad's picked some great songs. I'm not going to think about anything right now except how good God is. Have you ever noticed by the end of those couple songs that you've sang, you're not mad anymore? How's that happen? Because you got in the presence of God, and the presence of God can change you. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I think every single one of us, I believe God's word says that every single one of us need to get into God's presence as often as humanly possible to work out our anxiety. Now for you, that might mean you have to do that a couple times a day. Others of us just have to do it once a day. But what I'm saying is if you will continually put yourself in God's presence and pray and download your life to him, you will begin to have peace instead of anxiety. It won't happen the first time you pray or even the second time. It must become a habit in your life. Now, I also want to say something to those of you that deal with anxiety for a different reason. Some of you deal with anxiety because of a physical condition in your brain. Not only is it because of the circumstances that are happening in life, and the crazy things that go on in our life, but you might also be some of those 5 to 10% of people where your brain is maybe overactive, or your brain physically does not fire correctly in certain ways. 
So your anxiety is caused by a physical condition as well as the environmental anxiety that is caused by life circumstances. If you're someone like that, then you might be thinking, Pastor, one like that, then Mark, when I try to get quiet, my brain doesn't stop. If you're in the room and you're like that, you know what I'm talking about. And so I want to talk to you just for a minute because when you go to get quiet and you go to get in that place of peace where the rest of us might say, this is great to hang out by this little stream and be quiet with God because you can't stop thinking. And so you're thinking, Pastor Mark, what do I do? Because it never seems like anything stops for you. And you might even be taking some medication for that, and that's helping. But you're still wondering, how do I sit down and pray and open God's word and download my life to the Lord when my brain just won't shut off? Well, you may notice, and it may be helpful for you, that when you're in your routine of being in God's presence, it might be good for you to have something else there that's a comfort to you. Or something that keeps your brain a little bit busy enough that that anxious side of your brain or that overactive side of your brain can begin to quiet down. There goes something cute. For those of you that didn't see that live, my grandson is walking out of the room, right? And I'm not walking. He's being carried out of the room. He's two weeks old. He's already running. You should see him dunk already and catch a football. It's amazing. (laughs) Right. Grandpa's over-exaggerating everything, don't they? (laughs) Back to helping those of you relax. (laughs) Yeah, get a baby. Good one. That's a great idea. Hold a baby. I didn't think of that, but you're actually, that would actually work. Whoever said that, actually, that would actually work. And I'm going to talk to you about why. If your brain's over, overactive, right, and you, you have trouble just sitting and being with God, then actually something that is not too distracting to distract you from the Lord, but to just keep your brain a little bit distracted is helpful. So you're right. Holding a baby actually might help. That's why some of you having your pet in the room helps. You, you can be with your, you can have your pet right there. And just that being in the room helps your brain. And then you can focus on God and you can pray and you can read the word. Some of you, another great habit might be taking a prayer walk. The walking and the exercise, the activity of walking might help your brain a little bit so that you can pray and talk to the Lord and walk. Also writing things down. Journaling becomes a great way to help with an overactive imagination or your brain just firing really quickly. Listening to music. I just want to encourage you, if you're someone like that, to, to work on different atmospheres where, when you're in God's presence to help you be able to listen and talk to God. Because anxiety is also a huge umbrella. There's so many things connected to anxiety that make us anxious, but that that also are just a part of the big anxiety umbrella. There's things like our past trauma, present situations that are extremely challenging, addictions, excessive worry, depression. All of these things hurt our anxiety and cause our anxiety to be very difficult. And so I want to encourage those of you that are finding yourself in this grip of anxiety, And it's a stronghold. 
I want to encourage you to spend time talking to God every day. Maybe often throughout the day. You might even mean to do what Thessalonians says, and that is to pray without ceasing. See, you may also need to see a good counselor that can help you with the physical side of your brain, the mental side of your brain, and also help you get habits to talk with God intentionally. Well, that's what Philippians 4 says. Now let's look at an example in God's word of someone that knew this lesson. And by the way, the someone who knew this lesson knew this lesson almost 2,500 years before this was written. I'm sorry, 800 years before this was written. 800 years before this was written. So almost 2,800 years before you are at, there was a man who knew how to deal with his anxiety and his name was Daniel. Would you turn to Daniel chapter six with me? And I wanna show you a moment in Daniel's life and by the way, this, is, this happens to be one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. It's Daniel in the lion's den. And there's so many awesome things here. But what's interesting here is not only is this a great story of God's power and redemption and rescue, it's also a story about what to do with your anxiety. Look at it with me. Daniel chapter 6, and I'm going to start in verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom. And a satrap is probably like a governor, okay? With three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now the king wanted to make sure that all of the taxes that he was bringing in were actually being brought in. So these governors were put in place to make sure that he was getting all his money. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. Now why are they trying to find charges against Daniel? Why do they want to get Daniel out? Because they want to keep ripping off the king. And if Daniel finds out they're ripping off the king and stealing, skimming off the top, then they'll be out. Verse 4. At this, the administrators and traps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Oh, I'm sorry. I got caught up that there was somebody that was not negligent or corrupt in the government. <laughs> Caught me off guard there for a moment. Whew. Probably need to have a 30 seconds of silence for Daniel. Wow. I just was dreaming. I was imagining this wonderful utopia where government officials are Honest and trustworthy. Sorry, got off track there. Let's get back to the story. Verse 5. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. 
The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human during, during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed because we are backstabbing little stinkers. Oh, whoops, I accidentally put that part in there. Have you noticed the government hasn't changed in 2,800 years? Backstabbing liars. So King Darius put the decree in writing. And then verse 10. I want you to look at how Daniel responds to his anxiety. He's just learned what? That his life is going to end. Because he's not going to stop praying. Verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem three times a day. He got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now, I want to show you three things that Daniel did to respond to his anxiety. Did you notice the first? The first is this. He prayed. He got down on his knees and prayed. In fact, his posture might have even been a posture of petition. But did you notice he also did it three times a day? He didn't just do it once. He did it three times. So it's regular. And he's pouring out to his, his heart to God. He's praying and he's talking to God about his anxiety. Number two, did you notice his attitude? He gave thanks to God. Now you're probably thinking, why in the world would he give thanks to God that he's about to get thrown in a lion pit? Well, I don't think he's giving thanks for the lion pit. I think he's giving thanks to God. Because if you read the rest of the book of Daniel, you'll notice that God was always with him and God always blessed him and God always rescued him. And so Daniel was probably saying something like this. God, thank you. Thank you that you've always rescued me. Thank you that you've always been here. I'm supposed to be a slave in this country and I'm about to be the second most powerful person in this country and it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you. So thank you, Lord, that you have blessed me. And Lord, if today is my last day, thank you for being a part of my life, my entire life, and I'll see you soon. That's probably what his prayer was like. He didn't say thank you for a lion pit. I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited that I lost my job and what am I going to do? That's not what he said. He just talked to God about how thankful he was that God was in his life. And then the third thing that he said that is in here is really, really profound and super important. And it's this phrase, just as he had done before. In other words, this is Daniel's habit. This is Daniel's spiritual habit. We talked about spiritual habits and spiritual uh, disciplines all in the month of January. Here's Daniel. He's, he's praying through his anxiety as a regular event in his life. He always did this. By the way, this is why the administrators knew that they could trick him and stab him in the back because they knew he would always pray. And so they found this little trickery so that they could trick Daniel into praying to his God and then he'd get thrown in the lion's den. 
See, this was Daniel's habit. So, so I want to ask you something. What's your daily habit with God? What's your daily habit with God? Is your daily habit with God to be in his presence or just move on with your day? Look at verse 16 and 20 with me. As the story continues, if you've read the story or if you haven't read it, it's very simple. Daniel uh, is about to get thrown into the lion's den. And here's what the king says in verse 16. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel this phrase, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And then the king spends all night worried, anxious, no entertainment, no food. And when the sun comes up, he immediately runs to the den and listen to what he says in verse 20. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Now, why is the king anguished? Because he knows he finally found one person he can trust. One person. And they've tricked him to kill him. And listen to what he says. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in God. And just to put the justice in the story, I should read the rest, right? And the king's commanded the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Sounds like a good movie. Now here's the phrase I want you to catch. Did you notice it in verse 16 and 20? Here's Daniel's life in a nutshell. Your God, whom you serve continually. I think that's what Philippians 4 is saying. If you and I will serve God continually, if you and I will put ourselves in God's presence continually, if you and I will download our life to God on a regular basis, anxiousness will not be a part of our life. Let me close with an illustration to help us with that. I want you to imagine yourself, just for a moment, driving a dump truck. Say, Pastor Mark, I don't have my CDL. Just imagine it for a moment. Imagine yourself driving a great big dump truck. And in the back of your dump truck is a whole bunch of broken things. A broken bike, a broken lamp, a broken desk, We all have a broken cell phone, broken glass, broken clock, broken fishing pole, broken computer. There's just a whole bunch of broken stuff back there. And these broken things, they they represent kind of how we do life. They represent our anxieties and our worries and the things that we get all depressed about. All of those broken things are back there and we're toting them around in our dump truck because we live in a broken world. And so there's lots of broken things in our dump truck. There's lots of broken things in our life. And here's what's interesting. What we're all really looking for 
is a place to dump our load of brokenness. That's what we're looking for. We're all looking for that place where we can dump our brokenness that seems to be stuck on us, that weighs us down all the time. And as you're driving along the road, you notice this sign that says, the peaceful dump site. So you pull in and you ask the attendant, how long has this dump site been here? I drive on this road all the time. I've never seen it before. The attendant says, well, we've been here for about 10,000 years. About 2,000 years ago, though, we got a massive overhaul. It's been really great since then. And the attendant says, you need to dump your load? And you're like, yeah, I can. Sure. Just head on up the road. It'll take a hard right. Turn right. You'll go up the hill, and you'll see a bunch of other people up there dumping their load. Just follow the signs. It's pretty simple. Okay. So you drive your load up there. Sure enough, you get up on the hill. And you notice a whole bunch of people up there dumping their dump trucks. And there's a great big sign that just says, pick a cross and dump your load at the base of it. So you find one that's empty. And you back your dump truck up to it. And you dump your load. But you think, like I probably would too, I better make sure everything's out of there, right? So you get out of the truck and you go to the back and at the base of the cross, you notice that some of the things are fixed now. There's still some broken stuff there, but some of the stuff is fixed. The the lamp's good now. The computer's working all of a sudden. No more blue screen of death. And so there's some things that are, are now fixed, but there's still some stuff that's still broken. Here's what we discover, right? When you and I take our anxiety, our personal anxiety, the things that worry us, to the cross of Christ, and we dump it there, Jesus can fix it. Because we have surrendered our life, our heart, and our mind to Christ. But not everyone will surrender to Christ. Not everyone in the world wants to submit to his goodness and his love and his peace. And so those things remain broken. You leave the dump site and you've never felt better. In your entire life, you've never felt better because you left your load at the cross. And this morning, we wanted to make a space for each of us to get an opportunity to dump our load if we want to this morning. And so we've asked some prayer partners to be up front here, to be in a place where they, you can just come and talk with them. Because I think some of you, maybe it's easier for you to talk to someone else and, and, the, and the, you talk to God in a group. And so those people are gonna come up in just a minute. They're gonna be available for those of you that are in person in the room. If you're watching live, then... Uh, You saw during the announcements that Pastor Cooper um, told you how you can text in a prayer. And the slide will be on the screen for you as well. So if you're at home, if there's people you want to pray with right in the room, you can certainly pray with them. But if you'd like to pray with one of the prayer partners that is available and ready and waiting to pray with you right now, then you can text to 43506. I need prayer. 
put your name in there, put your phone number so they can call you back, answer the phone, obviously, and then that person will be there to pray with you and talk with you. Now, I want you to know everything that you pray about this morning will be confidential. Uh, the prayer partners will not talk about this with anyone. What, what, what happens at church stays at church, okay? Can we say it like that? Right. So I'm going to ask those prayer partners, could you come forward and just find your spot up here? They're going to be available for us to pray in the room, and they're going to be here. Now, as they come, let me share one last verse with you. It's going to sound like a Christmas verse because we use it a lot at Christmas, but it's really a great verse for right now, too. It's Isaiah 9-6 that says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, you and I have a counselor on our side. We have a prince of peace on our side. And what Philippians 4 is telling us, what Daniel was modeling for us, is you can talk to God. And he will be your counselor. And he will give you peace. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we give you thanks for this morning. We give you thanks for this opportunity to listen to your spirit, to seek your face, to be in your presence, and to talk to you. Jesus, would you help every single one of us understand this powerful realization that we discover as a promise from your word, that if we will talk to you, you will give us peace. That if we will put our hearts and our minds in the right place and we will surrender to you and we will just dump our load at the cross, you'll do everything that we need in that moment to heal us, to release us, to give us peace instead of anxiety to give us hope instead of depression, to remind us of your love in a world that is full of hatred. Holy Spirit, as we head right now to a moment of prayer, I pray that you would help each of us in this room that needs a moment with you to not leave until that happens. And for those that are watching live, that you would just take this moment right now in your front room and just create space for the Holy Spirit right now. Don't jump off the couch right away. Just, just stay there and let the Holy Spirit speak some things. Pray. Talk to God. And if you need to, text in your, your request and someone will pray with you. So Holy Spirit, right now, we give you this time and we ask for your presence and your power to be here in a significant way. Amen. Now here's what I'd like us to do. Uh, I'd like us to create in the room right now just that environment of prayer. So if you would like to stay just right in your seat and pray for a little bit, you certainly can do that. 
If you'd like to come up and pray with somebody, you can come up and pray with somebody. But if you feel like you need to go or you need to connect with someone, I'm going to ask you to do it out in the commons and to just try to keep the auditorium as an environment that's a little bit more quiet and peaceful. And um, let's just take time to be with the Holy Spirit. So in that, I'm just saying nobody has to rush off. But if you need to go, remember that Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.